As I said in the sunrise message this morning, this Easter is different in so many ways. But one thing is still the same and will always be the same. The tomb is still empty and Jesus is still on the throne. I praise God for the hope that we have in the risen Christ. I have to be honest with you. I've really struggled this week as I work through what I would say to you today. Our world is facing so many challenges in these days. Over 100,000 people worldwide have died due to the coronavirus pandemic. People are anxious. Many have been laid off from work. Essential workers are, are worried about being infected and then passing it on to their families. Staying safe at home brings its own challenges. Emotional stress, marital stress, and just plain boredom. There are some good things happening though. I hear stories of families reconnecting, parents actually spending meaningful time with their kids. I've joked around with my own kids that they're experiencing how the world used to operate. Stores closing early, only traveling when necessary, finding enjoyment in the smallest of treats, like when ice cream shows up unexpectedly from a grocery run. Eating together at the table almost every night and playing games together late into the night and laughing until it hurts. In our current circumstances, many people are rediscovering or maybe even searching for the spiritual. Hope is something we all need and the only hope that satisfies is the hope in Christ. As I mentioned this morning, where crisis and hope cross, God can do his greatest work. And I, for one, believe he's doing something great in the midst of this storm. He's bringing hope to people. As the church reaches out to help others and meets needs, he's bringing hope each time that we minister in Christ's love. He's, he's bringing hope as he always does when we proclaim the gospel to our neighbors by our actions and by our words. He's changing lives now and for eternity. So today, I wanna to make sure you know what God has done for you through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. I think it's essential that we understand the message of the gospel in these days. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. If Paul needed to remind the early church of the gospel, then how much more do we need to be reminded right now? According to the North American Mission Board's Center for Missional Research, there are 273 million people across North America, that includes the United States, Canada, and our territories, that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Tennessee, it's estimated that over four million people do not have a relationship with Jesus. That's basically two out of every three people. Now is the time to get back to the basics, to the most important thing. As we usually say, keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's the gospel message of God's love for us and the hope that we have in Christ. As Paul reminded the church at Corinth, for I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The church at Corinth was in trouble. There were reports of inappropriate relationships within the church, irreverent partaking of the Lord's Supper, and confusion over the resurrection of the dead, specifically Christ's resurrection. Because of the church's location in, in the heart of Greek culture, the culture that surrounded them believed that only the soul entered into the eternal. 
and many believers struggled with the doctrine of bodily resurrection, that the soul and the body would be reunited in the resurrection. So Paul wrote to bring clarity and assert the reality of Christ's bodily resurrection as essential to the Christian faith. That because Christ died and rose from the dead, our sins can be forgiven and we have a promise of resurrection. As we celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, I want to remind you of these central truths of the gospel according to the scriptures. The first truth is this, Christ died for our sins. Look back at verse 3 of chapter 15, and this is, this is what it says. The gospel message that Paul had received and the one that he preached, it says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Someone may be asking the question, well, who is Jesus? And many people, well, they know about Jesus. You know that he's the guy in the Bible. You know he's the baby in the manger scene. They even, may even know about his teachings or even the cross. But we still need to answer the question, who is Jesus? I like how Paul uses the phrase twice in this passage, according to the scriptures. When we explain who Jesus is, let's start with what the scripture says. In the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. He would also prophesy, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. John would write in the New Testament that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is God the Son, the second person of the triune God. He was born of the Virgin Mary and dwelt among us, and He was full of grace and truth. The Bible also teaches us that he was sinless, that he was the spotless lamb of God. That, that's sacrificial language. In Hebrews chapter 10, the author there says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. This is important because we all have sinned and the consequence of our sin is death. This is the beauty of the cross, is the beauty of Christ's death, that he willingly became the atoning sacrifice for us. The spotless lamb of God took our sin, died our death, the death that we deserved once and for all. The second truth is this, he was dead and buried. Now there've been many people who tried to say that Jesus didn't really die. But the testimony of the scriptures cannot be dismissed so easily. In John chapter 19, we see the soldier pierce Jesus' side to ensure that he was dead. Joseph of Arimathea asked for his body in order to give him a proper burial in his own personal tomb. He and Nicodemus washed and prepared Jesus' body. 
The next day, the chief priests and the Pharisees asked Pilate to secure the tomb, since Jesus had said that in three days he would rise again. So Pilate sealed the tomb with a stone and placed guards at the entrance. Can I ask you a question? Why go to that much trouble if Jesus wasn't dead? And why go to such great lengths to ensure that this dead man would stay in the ground? It's really because of the third truth this morning. The fact is, he rose from the dead. That's right, Jesus is alive. Once again, we look at the scriptures and they testify to this truth. The Old Testament prophesies to his death and resurrection. Jesus himself said that he would rise again on the third day. And then we have all those whom Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. Mary Magdalene at the tomb, other women at the tomb, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Peter in Jerusalem, the 11 disciples and others, then the 10 disciples without Thomas and the 11 disciples with Thomas, the seven disciples by the Sea of Galilee, the 11 disciples on a mountain, and then 500 people at once. He also appeared to James, the 11 disciples at his ascension, and finally to Paul on the road to Damascus. The resurrection is the central doctrine of the Christian faith. Because Jesus defeated death, sin, and the grave, we will too. His resurrection is the guarantee that his promises are true. The promise that he will fight for you, that he will renew your strength, that he will uphold you, that no weapon forged against you will prevail, that he will bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom to the captive, that he will give us wisdom and cause the devil to flee. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. That when we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, he will hear and forgive and heal our land. So don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord himself goes before you and he'll be with you he will never leave you or forsake you. And if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. All of these and more are guaranteed because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. This is still the message that the world needs to hear. And now is the time for us to be absolutely clear because the gospel is the only real hope. So have you believed? Have you placed your faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection? If you haven't, here are some other promises. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Will you trust him today? Can you pray with me, please? God, I want to thank you for your word. God, I want to thank you that, that you loved us enough to send your son Jesus to die in our place on the cross. So God, I pray this morning that if there's someone watching or listening, God, if they've never trusted you to be their savior, God, I pray that they would take hold of that promise today. That if they call on your name, they trust that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that they can be saved. God, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.